Alright, I'm going to try this podcast thing again. And in this episode, I'm going to try to give recaps of the games that I've played this week. Because I'm getting older and I tend to forget details the further away they are. So with our shark named Narwhal rolling around in the background, I'm going to title... This podcast, The Geomologist Presents, Before I Forget. But first, I have a couple call-ins from my first episode. One from Joe Richter of Hindsightless Podcast, and the other from Jason Connerly of Nerds RPG Variety Podcast. Hey Carl, Jason here. Just want to say, really enjoyed the first podcast. Welcome to the Anchor Community. You did some great gaming recaps there, and that actually works out wonderfully for me because now I don't have to recap the games I play with you. I can just refer people to your podcast, so that is what I plan to do in the future. I also look forward to listening to your future episodes. Keep up the great work. You're off to a great start, and you'll sort out all the bits and bobs on Anchor pretty quick. It's pretty intuitive, so I have faith you can handle it. Take care. What's up, Carl? Congratulations on putting out a podcast. I'm excited to dive into it. You know a ton about gaming. You got interesting takes. You're a smart dude, so it should be interesting. And for sure, that is such a bummer about the Iron Maiden songs and how we can't use them on here. It'd be amazing. I use I use their lyrics as episode titles all the time. I hope they don't come after me for that. <laughs> anyway, dude, peace out. You don't remember... I'll never forget, you just don't remember, I'll never forget. Okay, the first set of games I'm going to talk about are games that I played this weekend where Kevin Madison of Dungeon Musings Actual Play and Dungeon Musings Podcast GM'd. And Kevin does a great job of something that I maybe would like to do and maybe can do in the future. And he really uses our hobby as a platform to support a charity that is very uh, close to his heart, which is SOS Children's Charities. And I'll put a link again in the show notes. And he runs a yearly uh, donation solicitation as well as uh, events throughout the year where he you know, asks for support. Uh, he doesn't ask for any money personally for any of his games that he runs, but all the money that he does raise goes directly uh, to the SOS Children's Charities, which is a, a great way to use our platform, uh, our gaming platform, to help others. So the games I played were uh, Astonishing Swordsmen and Sorcerers of Hyperborea, which I have heard is... Um, and it's by Jeffrey Tillanian. And I've heard that they're coming with a third edition that's going to add a lot of content uh, based on some interviews that I've looked at. And it's going to change some of the mechanics that are thrown in the big tome that is the second edition, Astonishing Swordsman and Sorcerers of Hyperborea. And he's also changing the branding to just Hyperborea. Because I think we call it Hyperborea or Ash for short anyway. Uh, I think that's a great move by Jeffrey Tillanian. Um, I'm hoping that he will also have some adventures with that 
as a, someone who is pretty busy doing real life work stuff, uh, I like to have these ad two adventures um, a lot of the times that are pre-prepared um, instead of running uh, spontaneously off the cuff. Although I guess sometimes when I do that, it works out pretty well too. So the Ash game, uh, we're six level characters. We've been playing this game for a while. I would say a year and a half, maybe. And I play an Amazonian warlock who is um, a necromancer, or necromancy is her focus. Her name is Iphigenia Acantadoros. Um, and uh, basically, and she has a big sword. Uh, she can go sword and shield. She can go two-handed sword with her hand in half. Uh, she can use in traditional Greek-like themed hoplite style shield and spear. And she can throw down some magic. And uh, in our game, we we got transported to some other part of Hyperborea. And we've been trying for a while. I, at least my character in their mindset, has been trying for a while to find a way home. Because we have some investment that we've done over the campaign. Where we have a keep and we have allies. And we want to make our claim um, as landholders and stakeholders in this region of Hyperborea called Tule. Uh, but we're not there right now. We got captured by some alien entities. They messed with us and then they we escaped and now we're in this other kind of, I would say, uh, lost world area that's bounded on both sides by towering, almost impassable mountains. It's full of jungle. There are prehistoric uh, creatures and giant sized creatures of that ilk um so i would say kaiju are exi in existence and there's definitely a more feel of super science that's gone that's gone involved or that's gotten involved so uh, we had this one long adventure where we defeated this uh, mage ghost in a tower and uh, the tower was destroyed by a, a kaiju once that mage was defeated apparently they there were rivals and then um we uh, camped or are hiding or taking refuge after being beat up a bit uh, from several encounters with a, a, a group of denizens led by uh, a sorcerer type called the Monkey Meister and he's given us a task uh, so he can help us even more. He promises he can we can find a way to get home and I think I'm going to pause because the shark narwhal is acting weird. Okay, Norwell wasn't acting weird. It just ran over something that made it rattle a lot. I'm sure the noise was distracting. I apologize. Um, Norwell, our shark, is a strange thing. Um, it does save us a lot of time cleaning up in the house. So all we have to do is mop over. Uh, once it picks up all the dust and accumulation over the day or so. Um, and it puts things into its storage bin. I guess if it runs over something that it can't quite get into its storage bin, it rattles a bit until it gets back to the docking station and then has it all get sucked up. Um, I'm sure that the one day the sharks will take over um, and develop true sentience as AIs. Actually, there was a an episode in uh, Love... Sex and Robots, the new season 
uh, where that kind of happened. The Roomba or shark uh, went kind of crazy. Pretty funny. Anyway, that's a distraction. Let's get back to uh, Astonishing Swordsmen and Sorcerers of Hyperborea, uh, the recap. So my Am so we got this task by this individual sorcerer named the Monkey Meister, and uh, he leads a band of uplifted ape-like uh, creatures, and he wants it to go check out this tower in the lake. That sounds familiar. I hope it's not the same mini-adventure that... Uh, Jason Connerly gave us in Barbarians of Lemuria, it would be kind of funny. I mean, a lot of these little mini adventures, five room dungeons are recycled here and there. I've used a few in in the the games that I run as well. Anyway, so uh, Kevin loves the procedural. Uh, we have to take stock of rations and water in the jungle. We have to tramp through the jungle and we do random encounters and... We came upon this village. It was abandoned uh, by the end of the day. No encounters during the day, which was kind of nice. Uh, and we camped outside the village on this uh, rise. Uh, and at night, the villagers came back. And what they were were undead monkey beings. And it was actually pretty tenuous. Uh, we later learned that he actually, not monkeys, sorry, frog beings. And we later learned that uh, these undead frog creatures you can imagine basically a group of undead bullywugs or uh, deep one types. They were more frog-like than than fish-like. Um, they hopped. Um, they, he actually modeled them as as a whites. So they did the energy drain thing, which is a, a a really harsh, especially in the older type games, really harsh. Uh, damage uh non damage non-damage thing it, it drains a level i'm sure you all know it's been the bone of contention uh i've had uh, of many a player i've had players uh, rage quit because they were drained um so there you go i think kevin did it pretty well uh the players are also including myself uh, are pretty cool about it i did tell him about the problems of energy drain and at the key, instead of having straight out, you lose a level, he modeled it, the energy drain after a 3.5 uh, mechanic where you temporarily lose your level. Uh, you could still die and become an undead creature if you lose all your levels, but uh, you don't make your, you make a second save at the end of the day or the next day um, to see if those were temporary or permanent. So it gives you like a, at least a second chance uh, to not take the level drain. Um, uh, that's just one of those things. It makes uh, whites and wraiths and vampires very, very scary. So uh, we there are like 27 of these creatures. And I honestly, I don't know how we survived. Actually, my character is usually the one who takes a lot of damage, um, gets snuck up upon, gets ambushed by all sorts of vermin. But uh, she held fast, cast some magic. She has a ring of shooting stars. And there was one perfect opportunity. Thank you, Kevin Madison, that he grouped all the bad guys in a perfect 10 by 10 section. There's like eight or so of them. And she used her weekly shooting stars thing. And they all exploded into undead frog parts. 
So we survived more or less intact. Um, the stragglers were taken out by a combination of use of her magic. And I was just rolling like lights out. I mean, I don't think I rolled less than a 15 on my attacks on a D20. And she was just cutting things down left and right. I moved locations. My wife got home, so I had to move. She wanted to talk. So, um, right. So we survived the undead frogman encounter. Um, I was actually uninjured. Uh, the other uh, characters, the other players' characters uh, did uh, take some injuries and one lost at least a level of... Uh, I lost a level from the energy drain attacks. Um, the next day we went to the village and found some cool stuff that we'll have to figure out what they, what it is, what they do. And uh, I was happy to be able to finally sit back and cast some magic, although that was my shooting star weekly. So hopefully we don't have to get into something like that again. But, I mean, I've had it for a while, and that's the first time I've used it, right? So... So the next day, we continue on our journey towards this water tower, and we leave with a cliffhanger, wherein we ran afoul of a Tyrannosaurus Rex. Like I said, this area uh, that we're in is Lost Worldish, um, and as we wait to see what happens next, Iphigenia gets her shield ready, gets her spear ready to receive a charge. Uh, maybe it'll be the last time. We will see. Raise your horns, raise them up to the sky. We will drink to glory tonight. Raise your horns for brave fallen friends. We will meet where the fear never ends. So the game I played with where Kevin Madison ran was Iron Gods, A Savage World's Actually, it's Savage World's Pathfinder. He's running Road to the Iron Gods, a prelude to what he wants to do for his uh, yearly marathon uh, gaming sessions that he runs for his birthday. And he's going to run a converted Iron Gods adventure path converted from Pathfinder to Savage Worlds, which I'm pretty excited for. I think I mentioned already that I play a, a Dwarven uh, Magus. Um, which is like a fighter magic user. Uh, she wields a giant sword and shoots out fire bolts and imbues her sword with magical fire. Um, the cool thing about Savage Worlds is you can change the trapping of your magic by spending power points. Um, it's less Vancian. <clears throat> I thought maybe you could, you could probably adjust it to making it more Vancian magic casting. I mean, Savage Worlds is tremendous. It's pretty flexible. I've enjoyed playing it a lot. Um, and I used to also dislike this game or not play this game because I didn't understand how it worked exactly. Mm, that's a common theme. I will have to amend that type of behavior for me and be more open to playing games. Because <clears throat> I really enjoy playing. I think what I generally do, if I don't understand the game, I make sure I play first to try to comprehend the rules. I think the next one I really need to do with that is uh, Gumshoes, the Gumshoe system, Trails of Cthulhu, etc. I 
uh, I just need to play it or see it played, play it a couple times before I'm confident enough to run it. So, well, so with Iron God Savage Worlds, again, it was a big fight. Um, I, I did not say or mention in Ash that that one big fight took the whole session. We play like three hours and it took a while and it happened in Savage Worlds also where, as I, if you recall, uh, we had caught the attention of a group of uh, fanatical religious folks who also like to delve in the strange ruins of Numeria uh, named the Helions and they sent a force to try to figure us out or deal with us. We hid in some grass and uh, started shooting at them. I don't I, I kind of got there late, so I don't know if there was an attempt at negotiation or not. Maybe the players decided, nope. Um, and I was definitely concerned because we were short players, especially we were short our healer guy, uh, the guy who plays our healer, Ambrosius the Android, um, because it really, he was really great support in other combats where we get wounded and he'd patch us up or he'd give us a buff to help us with our fighting. Um, but he was not there, so it was just myself and two other uh, players. One was a gunslinger ranger type, and the other one was uh, a monk, um, a rat folk monk. They're called, I think, they're called Isoki. Isoki. Um, from and they're they're located in Starfinder, but I guess uh, Kevin's imported them um, to Pathfinder. Maybe they're in Pathfinder. Uh, someone who would know would be Joe Richter, since he is a Pathfinder. Uh, expert um, that we know of on the Audio Dungeon Discord. So, are there are they Yusoki or Ratfolk, Joe Richter? Hmm. Oh, I guess I should also comment on my, on the little uh, interlude. I don't know if it come came across well or not, but uh, hopefully it did. I've tried a few times. I'm not the best singer. Um, but I like music and I try to sing along and it's usually kind of flat, um, well, but Hey, if you can, um, name me the song and the artist from where that quote comes from, I'll throw your name into the bin for, or I'll give you a bonus point and throw your name into the bin for something. I don't know what I will do with that bin. Maybe a raffle, maybe after a quarter, all those one name gets pulled and you maybe get a drive through RPG gift card. Not a big one, but something to say, hey, I know my musical trivia. I might try that here and there. We'll see. Anyway, Iron Gods, uh, so we hid in this grass and we we took the charges that they had. Uh, again, I was rolling pretty, uh, pretty damn good. Um, and I did not get injured. <laughs> so two days in a row in Kevin Madison's games, my characters did not get injured. So that probably sets me up for the next time we play. One of them's going to fall, right? Um, Kate, she tried to, the only mishap that Kate had is she tried to cast a protection spell on everyone and it, failed miserably so she was fatigued um, that didn't seem to help because of the way my dice were rolling I got a lot of exploding dice uh, both um, attacks and damage especially and was cutting down uh, zombies and 
Helion scrappers uh, left and right. Um, I was hoping we would take prisoners, but it seems like the other players did not have that in mind. Uh, the leader of the group that assaulted us, some sort of necromancer, uh, a female hobgoblin, she split. She turned invisible with one of her hench people and split. Um, so we defeated this group. It was quite a big group. I would say about a dozen foes. And again, you know, three heroes, wild cards held their own. Um, so I think it was no, it was only extras that we fought um, and one wild card. I believe the sorceress is a wild card, right? So, so uh, we licked our wounds, uh, fl uh, fled or fell back to our camp that we had set up. And then we decided to investigate their dig, their archeological dig that they were performing. The whole reason that we'd come to this place to investigate this ruin that they were, all, were already camping at. And we looked over their camp. Uh, we talked about what type of distraction we wanted to make because we want to investigate the ruin, which looks to be like a down part of the spaceship of a spaceship. So we're going to try to figure out some set up some sort of distraction um, to get the camp all riled up while we sneak in to the ruin. And that'll happen next time on Road to the Iron Gods. Vocal ideations. All right, I ran two games during the week. The first game I will talk about is Tuesday night's game of High Colonies, and I play, I run that game, and the players are Arlen Walker of Live from Pelham's Wasteland, Jason Connerly from Nerds Variety RPG Cast. I'm sure I say that wrong every time, and our friend Matt Warner who um, we've never seen before. He keeps his camera off. Maybe he doesn't have a camera, but he plays in a lot of my games. Um, you probably have seen him on the Audio Dungeon Discord as Irks, and he's on uh, Dungeon Musings Discord as well. Anyway, I've talked about High Colonies before. I feel like it's a beta product, and it could have used an editorial pass to catch inconsistencies in the rules, and it could have used, I would say, an overhaul. It's a bit anachronistic in its concepts, sci-fi-wise. It was made in the 80s, and we've had many technological breakthroughs that make sci-fi uh, more advanced, or a lot of modern contemporary sci-fi talks about these advancements or incorporates these advancements, and this game does not. So there are some problems. Uh, the players, I think, are indulging me. Arlen actually mentioned, well, you know, you like Harnmaster. We just give you a hard time about it, um, as, as you know. And we're just seeing how this plays out. But uh, the first two sessions, I think, were pretty cool. This was the third session. Uh, we actually finished the published adventure or outline of an adventure, really. Um, it was the product... Uh, was more of uh, an, a gazetteer of the Asteroid series and a short outline for an adventure that went, like I said, pretty well. And we finished it actually as a one-shot in one time. Um, and there were you know, four players at that point. Uh, one player has not been able to make the last two sessions. And actually, Jason was unable to make last night's session. Uh, but we kept on. Uh, when we last left the players, uh, Jason and Matt's character had 
uh, abducted someone that can give them a lot of information on the guy that set them up. Um, so they did that successfully. They jumped into their shuttle and blasted out of the dock uh, unauthorized, uh, but because the the pilot is like the best damn pilot in the solar system, named Johnny Ringo, and that's who Arlen plays. So um, when I picked up and I and actually I did two things. Well, I did one thing. I actually converted all their characters, maybe to get gain some excitement in the game because we were not thrilled with the rules. I converted all their characters to Savage Worlds using the space Ferris Companion and the Lost Parsec with the addendums from the new Suede. And I thought actually the characters are pretty damn good. Um, seasoned characters with some high competency in their area of expertise. <clears throat> I mean, Johnny Ringo was literally the best damn pilot that you've ever seen in a Savage World sci-fi game. Um, anyway, so they they looked at the characters very quickly, agreed with the choices I had made, and uh, we went for it. So when they blasted out of uh, Electra Space Station, uh, the people who had been their foil for the last two adventures or were after them or who had originally wanted um, the Mule Harmony uh, for their own nefarious purposes followed them in a larger vessel. So we ran a chase, and Savage Worlds does this pretty neat. Uh, you put out a series of cards, and you just kind of go along the card track, um, and you make various roles on based on your skills or decide what you want to do. And uh, and it was, Matt's character was taunting them the whole time, so I let him distract him. Um, Arlen's character was rolling very nicely and getting raises on his piloting. So there were there are a few close calls as the um, bad guys were firing missiles at them, and then their shuttle doesn't have any actual weapons. It has some a defensive platform, uh, like a anti-missile laser platform that has limited use. So uh, we Savage World is pretty easy to run. Characters who aren't there more or less as NPCs. So we. Leon's character is a pretty good gunner, so he kind of fired the chaff and fired the battery at the missile and diffused a lot of... And I didn't take any damage. It ended up um, uh, the way I, I ran the mechanic there. Basically used the, used their ability uh, to soak um, the damage. So they didn't even have to roll uh, a vehicle loss of control because um, Leon... Leon, uh, I think, I don't know if Arlen or Matt rolled. Whoever rolled on the roll 20 rolled very well and succeeded fantastically. So, um, all right. So they got they got to the rendezvous point that they had arranged with the rival corporation and uh, landed in the crater. The, the rival corporation's people were waiting for them to take them, you know, back underground and to to safety and refuge, but uh, um, Leon left a surprise uh, for the bad guys because uh, Arlen's character, Johnny Ringo, had noticed that they had landed and were probably going to kind of go over the surface of series and try to deal with them. Um, so Leon left a surprise. They'd found a missile, or actually Tyga, Matt's character, had remembered they had some missiles 
um, in their cargo hold. So Leon rigged one up to go kaboom. It successfully went kaboom. The characters heard it, went back out to investigate. They saw that uh, several of these bad guys are called the Band of Humanity. So, um, you know, very much hate anyone that is not them uh, type of polity or uh, reactionary group. Uh, the leader was still staggering around. I had uh, been forced to use my bennies to make sure he didn't die outright because, you know, I always want to keep a bad guy around. Um, but he was staggering around trying to patch up his, his vac suit. Um, uh, wasn't succeeding. Actually, I couldn't even... He was so messed up and I was rolling poorly that uh, he couldn't even unshake uh, from the trauma. And uh, Johnny Ringo... Uh, and Leon took some shots at him. Johnny Ringo missed or shook him up again, maybe. Um, didn't do any damage. But uh, Leon just um, put a hole through him with his pulse pulse rifle, uh, which is like a laser carbine. So, uh, so they took the guy out, you know, I guess had the company collect the bodies or what was left of the, I mean, the other, his the extras that this, uh, these bad guys had were just, you know, vaporized uh, with the demolition explosion that Leon had set up. So, so Jason, even though you weren't there, your character did a hell of a lot. It blew up, and we, and we finally got some combat in this game. We haven't really had any combat, but I don't know if we're continuing. Honestly, um, the characters, I guess, were wanting to do other things. One character um, expressed they'd rather do something more space, or sorry, one player communicated they'd rather do something more space opera and less you know hard sci-fi near future sci-fi i mean the problem is high colonies can't decide what it wants to do so um i suggested uh maybe going to lost parsec um i would love to do the eclipse phase the system's pretty complicated from what i remember especially uh character creation generation keeping track of your character since you can you really don't have a permanent body you just have a permanent like cortex right cortical stack i think is called so maybe that um we're also waiting honestly for uh, the starfinder version of kingmaker adventure path that's supposed to come up um the summer off the top of my head it's going to be called Horizons of the Vast Adventure Path, and I will read the blurb from the Paizo website. Uh, as part of a massive effort to explore and develop an uninhabited planet full of valuable resources, the heroes are placed in control of a settlement and must deal with challenges from both within and without. It sounds very much like Expanse Season 4, and it is Kingmaker in space. So that's what we might be waiting for. Uh, we'll see how that goes. But I don't think we're going to revisit High Colonies. I did finish the story arc. Um, there you go. All right, the last game I run this week is a continuation of our Iron Kingdom's Legacy of the Witchfire game. It is Iron Kingdom's uh, the 5E version. And if you recall from last time, if you listen to the other podcast, that the characters had captured 
one of the bad guys, uh, a man of the Powder Rat Gang, who was part of a plot. They had been trying to distribute explosives in the sewers. Um, who knows if they're going to put him up on the surface, but their plan, according to this low-level ne'er-do-well, was to disrupt the festivities of the Long Night Festival in the city of Corvus in the country of Signar on the continent of Imorin in the Iron Kingdom's world. So uh, the characters were a bit wary. The players were wary of their characters because they got shot up the last time they got into a fight. But they got the jump um, with the help of this man that they had captured. They got the jump on the next group as they busted out from the sewers through a trap door into their hideout. Um, actually, it was kind of cool that one of the characters had asked, well, is there another way in or out? And I let him make a roll to notice that there was a side tunnel. Uh, he sent his steam jack up that side tunnel to a, a ladder that led to a manhole cover in the alley nearby. So his his jack climbed up the ladder and was kind of ready to, you know, outside of the hideout to run through the wall Kool-Aid man style. So that worked to perfection. You had the Kool-Aid man jack steam jack running through the wall um which he rolled great so i let it happen um one character had snuck so so well that he was almost looking at the over the shoulders of the of the cards that they were you know to, at the cards that these men were playing on a stealth um they kind of took him down pretty quickly i mean a surprise is important um lucky rolls are important uh, some tried to get away but they chased him down and then they realized that the guy, one of the guys who was running was trying to get to a warehouse across across the way, across another alleyway, that uh, in this section of town, everything looked run down. But that warehouse, even though closed and it didn't look like anything was happening, was still in good shape. So they decided to fall, to fall back and talk to their superiors. Uh, one of the characters who's a face, um, he's a rogue. He managed to convince the watch captain to let him have some backup. So they had four constables with them and they, you know, they took a short rest in the 5e parlance to recover, repair the jack, um, get things going. They had been pretty subtle and sneaky so far. So I, I didn't, you know, I didn't let the bad guys know that they were coming really uh, until they were actually there. So they reconnoitered the warehouse. Uh, a couple of characters screwed up and were noticed. But when, but one character who had climbed onto the roof, found some trap doors, uh, kind of acted as overwatch as some guards kind of were trying to chase another character. So they kind of stopped things from getting out of control. Another character basically did like a, super heroic i thought it was very cool dive through one of the one of the windows and start shooting um followed by the the jack and the the warcaster and the constables from one end um the strange they noticed that these bad guys these uh, powder rat gang guys in the warehouse uh they're being led by someone who was controlling a steam jack as well and the steam jack was moving crates that had like, you know, the words fragile, uh, volatile substance, 
you know, handled with care uh, on the painted on the sides of them. Uh, so one character, so they, they actually focused on the leader. Um, one character who had played War Machine before realized that um, take out the the quote unquote Jack Marshall who's giving orders to the Steam Jack and the Steam Jack isn't going to be as effective. So they shot him, scatter gunned him, and then one character, the the gunslinger in our in that group, fired at the crate that said volatile substance, and it uh, the first time he fired some strange creature jumped out of it started running around scaring the hell out of the other the powder gang folks um they didn't recognize what the creature was um and uh then he shot it again and this time it exploded in a massive fireball damaging the jack and and nearly killing uh, the jack marshall the leader of the powder gang group um who caught on fire and then died the next round um it, actually things went pretty well the other strange thing that happened is this woman ran into that they didn't know was not did not seem to be part of the gang ran into the um the warehouse and started looking through crates as well grabbed one of the powder gangers uh, powder rat gangers and killed him with necrotic magic um and then shook his body and said where is it where is where is where is my sword basically um, the characters didn't really interact with this woman because they had other more important things. One, another character again went down to gunfire, uh, but, the but he was rescued before he expired. Um, it was pretty exciting. It was a big combat and, um, I was surprised we got through two combats. I guess our session went a little long, but there were about... A dozen bad guys and eight good guys, right? So a combat, 20 combatants in this warehouse space. Um, I really enjoy playing with these guys. They really pay attention, take advantage of the terrain, do fun, crazy things. And we try to make uh, the 5e rules work, or I try to make the 5e rules work for them. I was, I guess as a GM, I was like a great idea. Sometimes you need a roll, sometimes you don't. You give me a good case, and I think my players know that. Maybe they exploit it. That if you give me a good case and argument, I'll give you an advantage on the roll because I want you to succeed because I want cool things to happen. You know, like you running along the catwalk and shooting down at the bad guys, diving through a window, you know, rolling, you know, rolling up and shooting or moving, you know, to a, to cover. Uh, I want the steam jack to Kool-Aid man through the wall. Um, I just think it's fun and it's cool and the characters get into it. So uh, they cleaned up. They got their reward as good mercenary auxiliary police force as the rest of the police showed up since they were making a lot of noise and explosions on the docks, etc. And they real they found out that the woman uh, was famous. Uh, the crazy woman that they saw was the famous woman named Alexia Cianor, who, if any of you know Iron Kingdoms and the Witchfire trilogy lore, is that same Alexia Cianor 20 years later. It seems that she's gone mad. So Father Dumas shows up, the leader of the church in Moro, and takes her, he, that's his ward, it's his niece, I believe, he takes her into custody. He's followed by two nuns that help, you know, calm her down because she basically escaped from the, you know, from the asylum or the church of Moro. <laughs> um, and she's looking, apparently the characters 
one is great because one of the characters actually played the, the original Witchfire trilogy, played it twice. And he said, he did say, if my ogre and boker were here, he would know basically what happened uh, 20 years ago. Um, so the characters actually made their lore roles. They realized who it was, which I thought was kind of neat. Um, and I gave them the info dump um, as such. Uh, basically, Alexa Cianor had risen a host of undead using her magical sword called the Witchfire um, to assault the city. But then later, uh, she saved the city from an invasion uh, of of creatures called or of a uh, ethnic group called the Scorn, uh, who came from the desert uh, and were being led into the city by the deposed brother or the you know, basically a disenfranchised nobleman who wanted to be in charge um, and Alexia raised undead to fight them so she saved the city she had many other adventures and apparently her last misadventure um, made her go mad where she fought uh, what is called an infernal it's like a demon and uh, defeated it but then something bad happened so the characters don't quite know what they learned that the witch fire is missing <clears throat> and we stopped there we had run over um the adventure suggests milestone XP so that advanced from first to second level. So maybe they'll have more staying power when they're firing their guns and shooting um, left and right. Uh, I think it, it makes it pretty lethal. Um, the guns, I think uh, the designers of Iron Kingdoms did a good job of making the weapons, um, the sort of pseudo modern weapons uh, feel lethal, right? They found scatter guns. They're using, you know, uh, magic. Uh, well, one of the characters has a has a mage pistol. Another character has you know both pistol and magic, so he uses them in tandem depending on the situation, right? So um, it's pretty neat. It's pretty pretty good. And one character is mechanic, so he can fix everything. Huh. So I'm in really enjoying the game. <clears throat> this group wants me to run another game uh, when we go back to live game sessions at. Dragon's Lair in San Antonio. Um, so we'll see how it goes. I, I really would like to continue Iron Kingdoms. I think everyone gets the verse. Uh, it's pretty, even a player who has, doesn't never played War Machine or Hordes, never played the previous incarnation of the Iron Kingdoms RPG, like the rest of us, seems to really getting really be getting into it and into his character. Um, he's a uh, He's basically a traitor smuggler from a country that had been at war for a long time that neighbors uh, Signar where they're at. And he's planning to become a, a duelist. So like, a, if you can imagine like a rapier and pistol, like a musketeer type, um, that's what he's going to do. And he's basically been the face. He's negotiated uh, for the characters to get more money and make sure they get their bounty. And he negotiated the contract. So I think this player is really... Really loves that kind of stuff. Uh, gets into it. I did make the comment from one of the NPCs: "You don't quit, do you? You know, don't shut up, do you?" So um, it was good. Good role playing. Um, you can role play in these games, even though there's a lot of fighting and combat. And uh, I would say this time, even though the players tried to take prisoners, uh, well, you know, in the heat of battle. I mean, when a when a steam jack slams you in the head for like 12 points um, and you're already injured. My cat is saying hi. Well, I guess exactly what the, the cat said. You're meowed.
Okay, well, that's all I got for today. I just wanted to get these recollections in before my memory fades. So everyone, I hope you have a good weekend. Uh, the games I'm planning on this weekend, I think it's a fun-filled Memorial Day weekend full of games. Hold on, another cat is messing with stuff. Cats are funny creatures. They want to be around you, but they don't want to be around you. They want for your attention. And in fact, my cat here, Grayson, is clawing at me for attention. So I'll pet him behind his ears. Um, anyway, so this weekend, uh, I believe I do not have a Saturday game. However, I do have possibly three Sunday games with America... Road to the Iron Gods, and Deadlands. So we'll pick it up next week, I think, when I feel the whim. Uh, thank you guys again for the call-ins. I'll try to put as much people that I mentioned in the show notes, but I'm new to this, so forgive me if I forget to put you down. Anyway, have a good rest of the week, and happy gaming.